0: Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the podcast of Kickstarter, the crowdfunding website. Each week I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, April 1st, 2013. On this day in history, environmental activist Wangari Mathai was born. Happy birthday, Miss Mathai. A few weeks ago, I traveled north by phone and spoke with west by sea.
1: Hello? EJ Grandpa, it's Ed Beale returning your call.
0: How's it going here?
1: I'm good, and I'm on with my wife, and her name is Michelle, with two L's. How you doing? Hi, Kickstarters. I'd like to bring you with me on a vicarious virtual voyage, west by sea and around the world.
0: Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about your life before you guys started to take this fantastic voyage?
1: What we decided many years ago was when most people give each other gifts at those significant events, like a birthday or an anniversary, right. we started wondering whether, since the military moves all the time, bringing those gifts around with us might not be the best thing. So we thought about that and said, what we should do is just give each other the gift of a vacation or a trip or an experience, because those memories and the pictures will last a long time. But if you get, you know, an object or a picture or something like that, it may not last very long. So that became a priority for us. Now,
0: what about you, Michelle? What did you do before this whole Fantastic Voyage thing? I already got the part about, you know, traveling, back. But- <laughs> Maybe you did something else.
2: <laughs> both of our backgrounds happen to be in aviation. I had hoped when I started researching what I wanted to do for my life, I was inspired to be a helicopter pilot. Oh! Unfortunately, that did not turn out, but I stuck with the aviation industry. That's actually how we met because Ed was a search and rescue helicopter pilot, and he was stationed in Brooklyn, and I was on Long Island, and they used to use my airport for practice flights. So we kind of met in a roundabout way through both of us being in aviation. So seeing my parents travel and my aunt travel, that was a big inspiration for me. So I always did want to travel around the world, but never really had the opportunity. So when I met Ed, I found that he was very interested in traveling and been to some amazing places around the world already. And he wanted to take me back there or make new adventures together. So this was one of our big dreams after we got married.
0: So Ed didn't force you to do all this stuff. Oh, you not You kind of did it willingly. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Because
0: he seems a little domineering, you know. Oh, he know? (laughs) Yeah, he seems a little domineering. So he he didn't force you, you know, like, you know, to get married, you have to adopt his lifestyle or something.
2: Well, I thought about it really hard. I really grilled him on it because I wanted to make sure this was going to work for us. I had basically a checklist of things I wanted. A a
0: checklist? That never works on television.
2: Well, it did for me because I made quite a few mistakes in my young life.
0: Oh, it's getting interesting now. Come on, tell me some with more. dating.
2: And um, so I decided to take a break from dating and really decide what I wanted in a person. And I, by happen chance, met Ed. And the more I got to know him, the more I realized eventually the person that I could live with the rest of my life.
0: But he's kind of wild too. He does like sea shanties and in North Pole and all of that. And
2: No, it's exciting. I wish I could have gone with him.
0: (laughs) How is he different?
2: How is he different? How is he different? Because
0: you slowed down, but then you jumped right into like with a guy who's like a triathlon man. So I'm trying to find out how is that different than... When you slowed down?
2: Well, I didn't really want to slow down. I uh, wanted to find someone who found life adventurous and interesting and was extremely intelligent.
1: Oh, okay. Now, DJ Grandpa, you can't not like Michelle after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you're right. I mean, she's growing on me, man. She, I can see why.
1: You know, life, you've got to live it. You can't let someone else live your life for you. You know, And when you can find someone else or have a uh, an experience where You know, there's people around that have that same philosophy, and they want to just, you know, just grab it and go. You have to seek that stuff out.
0: I watched a Kickstarter video, and it it said that you became sick, Michelle, 2006, I believe.
1: Yes, I was
2: diagnosed with brain cancer.
0: Yes. Now, was that like an, ah? well, I guess I can't say aha moment, but...
2: It wasn't sort of an aha moment. It was more a um, driver of to do more stuff sooner It took one year to recover from the first life-saving brain surgery or craniotomy. And we moved three months later to the West Coast. And when I got out there, my doctor said, yeah, I think you could use another craniotomy to further debulk the tumor. Yes. And so that was a hard decision to make because I was only 11 months out from the first surgery and it takes 12 months usually to uh, recover. Yeah. So here I was finally feeling like a human being again and put myself back under the knife to have another surgery to extend my life further and then ended up recovering another year and then we moved back to the northeast closer to family which has been wonderful. It was just kind of one thing after another the first five years or so and found a treatment up at Mass General in Boston for proton radiation and um, we're almost four years out from that now and that has stunted the growth of the tumor so that instilled in me that again better to do it sooner than later because you never know what's around the corner yes. nobody does and this just happened to be my issue and I do have to deal with it on a daily basis too because I still have some issues
0: you have issues
2: you know I don't know what's around the corner I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow so let's do this now I can walk I can talk I can take care of myself I've been trapped in my body before where my body doesn't function and my mind does. And it's frightening. It is absolutely frightening.
0: Now, why share this with the Kickstarter community?
1: Well, one of the things that I have always been impressed about Michelle is that she's a very giving person. She shares very well of herself. She's always trying to do work for others. She's volunteering. She is putting on the events that people come to. And they enjoy themselves without a lot of understanding of all the work that goes on behind the scenes. Yes. You have to give to get is uh, one of the things that we believe definitely. And so if you give of yourself and you give freely, then you'll get some satisfaction back in return. You know, hopefully you'll, in giving, you give other people inspiration and then they can maybe, you know, take those ripples and, and make even bigger ripples. It's almost like paying it forward, they talk about. Yes. So um, that was sort of the idea behind the sharing piece. We thought, wouldn't it be fun to kind of get like a whole group or a whole party of people and bring them along with us somehow? And what's the best way to do that in today's world? Well, of course, it's the internet.
0: So how do you two play off each other? Say you're at a dinner party or something like that and you know, Michelle, you have your checklist and all of that. And, <laughs> that
2: was just for Ed no, <laughs> and my my no. <laughs> partner for life.
0: Let's say that you overdo it. You have a checklist for basically everything in life. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I
2: plan. I'm not that bad, but okay.
0: Right, you have your checklist. Uh-huh. How do both of you navigate the room? What what is he normally doing, and then you're normally doing? Because he's already admitted. Sort of kind of like you're an events planner. So what are you doing and what is he doing that might slow you down or something like that?
2: I don't think there's anything that could slow me down. <laughs> with um, There's nothing really impeding that he does. I don't know. It, we just complement each other so well, I think. Uh, well, let me,
1: let me take a start at that one. Okay. So we we walk into a room, right? There's right. something going on. This is what I'm waiting for. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I like to think that I'm a set-up guy. Right. So I'll go in there and I'll make a comment that'll put people, you know, I'll put them at ease, maybe give them to, you know, give me that little Mr. Spock eyebrow raise, like, okay, I don't know where this is going type of thing.
0: Yeah, I'm liking this. I'm a Trekkie.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I kind of back out and then I let Michelle do her magic because she slides right in there and she just charms them and wows them, you know. So I will provide the opening right. and then I'll slide back and I'll be like the straight man, you know. I'll just watch the whole situation play out and then I'll slide in there with a quick comment and then I'll back out again and I'll, you know, I'll kind of see who else is moving by and I'll try to drag them into the conversation too, you know. Right. Before you know it, it's just everybody in the room is, you know, all working together and having a good old time.
0: I'd like to thank Edward and Michelle Beale from New London, Connecticut. Well, they're not from New London. They're world travelers. But I'd <laughs> like to thank both of them for coming on the show. They're part of Westbysea.com. They're also on Kickstarter, Westbysea, a vicarious virtual voyage. Now, that's a hard one to say. But <laughs> thanks for coming on the show.
1: All right, DJ Grandpa. We appreciate your uh, time today.
0: This is DJ Grandpa's Crib, in an effort to reach out to more people around the world. Because you know we are global, and it's a global community. So I'd like to reach out to Olivier mm-hmm. Trion from Kolsimka, and he's from Basel, Switzerland. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. It's an honor to be with you.
0: Oh, thanks, dude. You too, man. I love your energy <laughs> of your music and everything. I've been checking it out.
3: Okay. <laughs> He has
0: a Kickstarter that's current right now, and he has a band called Simca. And what they're trying to do is to raise money with their Kickstarter project so they can fulfill Olivier's dream of recording with the London Symphony at Abbey Road Studios. That's a pretty tall order, I think. Absolutely. Not to say that you can't do it, but I'm just saying the London Symphony is one of the most recorded orchestras in the world, and Abbey Road it may be the most famous recording studio in the world. So
3: how did you pull that off? I called them up and uh, said, Hi, this is Oliver from Switzerland. I would like to book your orchestra. I have no money, <laughs> but I intended to find the money through crowdfunding.
0: They didn't hang up on you as soon no, as you said at you all. had no money.
3: They were friendly, they were open, they were interested. And they said, yeah, sure, we can give you three dates in 2013 in August yes and as long as you don't have a down payment, we can't like reserve the dates for you but they're penciled in and if something else comes up we're just gonna tell you and then go look for the money and when you have the money we can do it so that's how it uh, happened yeah that's easy actually it is
0: I may have to book them for a theme
3: for the show (laughs) yeah you just called up
0: and they said show me the money absolutely wow
3: What is your style of music for your band called Simcoe? Since we've been playing for 27 years, we kind of found our own style. It has a lot of influence from Eastern Europe, from the Balkans, from North Africa, from American jazz, and from classical music. And it's like a a mixture of all those styles, and it's it's really hard to to describe. It has some klezmer elements in it, Mm -hmm. and it's... uh, our music that we developed over the years. I see that it moves people a great deal, as did it move me when I listened to it.
0: I see on your bio that you recorded at Abbey Road before. Uh, Yes, I did, yeah.
3: Why must you go back? You know, often studios that record uh, symphony orchestras try to have a, a really clean sound, Yes. and it's almost sterile sound. And the Abbey Road approach is different because they use all those microphones that have a lot of character and they're not afraid of that. They use it to their advantage and they just have this incredible sound because they use those old microphones from the 60s, from the 50s and 70s yes. and they know how to use them and the hall just sounds great. And also, you know, it's like the atmosphere in the studio and the people that work there and the history. And when I think about all those uh, movies that have been recorded there, I mean all those new movie soundtracks, it's just breathtaking. And the experience is just fantastic.
0: So you've worked all this out in your mind already. You're, you're totally passionate and absorbed in this whole idea of going back to Abbey Road with the London Symphony. Absolutely. I can understand that. <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> you've been in the business for 27
3: years, playing, yes. touring. What keeps you so passionate, sir? That's a good question. (laughs) I don't even know why I'm a musician, to tell you the truth, because you just grow into it, you know? You just grow with the music, and I don't know. It's like, one point that's really important for musicians is like, we've been given a talent, and we have to use our talent to make people happy. And at one concert, there was an old lady, she was over 90, Yes. and then she came off the concert and said it was one of the most beautiful experiences in her life, and then she said, when I'm dying, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to hear your music. You know what I mean? It's like those things that just keep you going. And then you have young people that you inspire. And you have all those people from all religions and all races and all countries and continents. And, and they all, actually, we're all like one family. And everybody reacts to music the same way. So we have this, uh, I don't know, we like—we like, we're like uh, how do you say? It's difficult to say.
0: You just said it, we're all
3: family. Yeah, we're all a family. Music yeah, is a yeah. unifying factor. I can understand Absolutely.
0: That. And that keeps me going, you know. No, I understand. You're driven. And yeah. I feel your passion. And when I listen mm. to your music, I feel the energy coming from you guys. So I can understand
3: mm. that. And what would you like to say to the people who have backed you so far? Well, I'm so grateful that you have trust in us, that you support us, that you believe in our product, and that you've given your hard-earned money Even if it's just one pound or one dollar, it doesn't matter. As long as you give something, it's like, for us, it's like a sign that you, you trust in our project and that you like, that we're independent and we're trying to do something, and we're totally grateful to you. I'd like to say thanks for coming on the show, and have a good day, sir. Thank you.
0: Two projects, one mission world domination, good versus evil, the Death Star, and the X-Wing fighter. I scaled the Great Wall of China to speak with Simon Kwan of the X-Wing fighter. And dude, he spilled all the beans. I didn't even know what to make of you guys with this crazy story. I think it's way cool and it's hilarious. <laughs> but I just didn't know what to make of it.
1: It was just for a bit of fun. We uh, were actually prepping for a a quote-unquote real Kickstarter project for a couple of months. And we were at a meeting, and Ed had found or or read online about this project, and he thought it would be a good joke, so he pledged it. He actually backed the best star. I, I saw that, and then I saw GeekBeat TV picked it up, and it was starting to get all over the place, and we were having a great laugh. I actually became a backer as well. And we were sitting there going, well, you know, this is very funny, but where is the logical response to this? Why isn't anybody worried about somebody building a giant Death Star and how come nobody's funding the the Ripple Alliance? So we just decided to do it. We thought, hey, man, we can't let the Empire get all the press. We just threw it up on there and, to our surprise, Kickstarter within 24 hours approved the project.
0: But you just said a moment ago that you both pledged money To the Death Star, that's the side of evil. How could both of you do that?
1: Well, you got to keep your friends closer and your enemies closer, right? So, uh, by pledging money to the Death Star, we could also access inside information. So, you know, in effect, we're acting like spies.
0: Ah, I get it. Now, I'm totally confused by this whole campaign. Both of them, because in Europe, they're supposedly the Western powers, you know, the, the Europe and London and, and, and England and the United States.
1: Everyone uh, in the Empire and uh, all the Star Wars movies, they always speak with a British accent. So it really didn't surprise me oh. that the Death Star was being funded by the UK.
0: Oh, so they could be evil then. I'm talking to you right now and you're in Shanghai and you have the Rebel Alliance. The Rebel Alliance, they're on the side of good. So I I just (laughs) think that's hilarious.
1: Well, see, the Rebel Alliance was always a mishmash, right? So, uh, yeah, we're living in Shanghai, but I'm American. Ed is actually a Brit, so I think he defected from the dark side. We're living in a place where there's a big mix of all kinds of people from all around the world. So it sort of makes sense in a way that we're funding the uh, scrappy Rebel Alliance from this... uh, Kind of crazy part of the world.
0: Well, the United States government, in an official press release, they turned down the Death Star, but... What about the Chinese government? Have you submitted a proposal to maybe fund the X-Wing squadron since you guys are now on, well, maybe you've always been on the side of good versus evil. I don't know. Uh, you know but, you know, I, with my Western mentality, of course, I'm brainwashed. So have you submitted anything to the Chinese government?
1: Uh, no, getting crowdfunded in China is a difficult thing. The rules and regulations here are a little bit different. than honestly, I don't know. If the Chinese government would be more interested in supporting the Death Star rather than the X-Wing audience.
0: But if this isn't a joke, if this is real and this is a very important time in history, which I guess all points in history are, the Chinese people are trying to save the universe. We might have to rewrite the history books a little bit if that happens.
1: China has an important place in the future of humanity, sure. If you're a Joss Whedon fan and you ever saw the show... Uh, Serenity, uh, or Firefly, you'll know that China ends up playing a very big role in the development of space in the future. That's a different universe. That's
0: a different verse in a different uh, fictional galaxy. Well, Yoda says that the dark side is not stronger. They're just more seductive.
1: Don't be overconfident. That leads to hubris, which uh, can possibly lead to the dark side. So (laughs) let's just stay cool, have fun. Thanks to all the backers for being such uh, amazing supporters of this uh, fun little project. And, you know, party on Endor after this is all over. (laughs) But what happens on Endor stays on Endor.
0: Hey, you beat me to that. I was about to draw on you first, (laughs) but you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, okay, I applaud you guys because you have put a lot of fun (laughs) back into the whole space thing. Great. Good for (laughs) you. All right, thank you very much, Mister <laughs> Kwan, and I really enjoyed the interview.
1: Thanks, DJ Grandpa.
0: My name is Dirtbag Dan from San
4: Jose, California, or as I affectionately call it, the day, Baby. Ah! I've been a part of the underground hip hop scene here in the Bay Area for over a decade now, releasing albums
1: independently with my crew, Counterproductive. How's
0: it going, Dirtbag? Hey. I really like the fact that I get to call you Dirtbag. That's cool. Yeah, no,
1: people like that. They definitely do. I'm doing what I can
5: Being without you here is rough But no, I understand
1: I ask a lot of you But this is how it goes
5: I'm by your side, ride or die Something you should know
0: He has a Kickstarter out right now To help him kickstart the DVD Or the Dirtbag Dan album He's from San Jose, California He's an underground battle rapper And a big part of hip-hop at one time Was battle raps and it It still is sometimes it can get you in a lot of trouble
1: when I was a kid I prided myself in winning so much that your friends would have to agree with the fact that you lost and then if you hit me you just looked really bad so you know you better win or be ready to fight somebody I'm
3: a real big fish but the ocean is huge about to blow up quick but no one's light in a few
1: we released a mixtape you know two years ago got 200,000 downloads between now and then and I got like five million some odd views on the battles and we got a podcast that people pretty regularly listen to. So we know there's a fan base out there. We get to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. And once I've seen this, the success of Kickstarter and, and kind of the ability to use it as a tool to get around the music industry, which is what I've kind of been trying to do my entire career. Like I'm touring around the world and doing all this stuff without ever being signed to a label it inspired me because i'm someone who's always been independent and i've seen an opportunity to kind of cut out the middleman and connect with my fans directly on the one-to-one and say hey i want to make the album you want to hear you know i'm only restricted by my equipment at this point you help us build our studio help us get equipment so we can make crazy noise and we'll make that crazy noise directly for you and we won't have to you know, go through iTunes or or any kind of record label or distributor. You just come straight to the website and bang, there you go, free out. The block is hot. I ain't safe in the streets. But I ain't scared of no bugs. I'm scared of police. They violate your rights like what you gonna do. And have me asking what
4: the hell this world's coming to. I
1: said...
0: So you're not even going to go through Spotify or iTunes or anything like that. you just bypassing the mealies altogether.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to pay for the server space. To just release the album entirely free.
0: Let me ask you a question and it's the question that's plagued rap music ever since. Is hip hop
1: dead? You know what I would even argue that now hip hop is more alive than ever. <laughs> I would I would truly say that largely due to the internet as like the sole medium for music and as YouTube being like more frequent for like kids in the twelve yeah. to twenty five range than TV as far as like where they get their entertainment like that being said they're choosing instead of like MTV going hey this is what's cool check it out that so we're gonna feature this right now and that's what I did when I was a kid I went home I turned on the TV and they told me what was cool now kids go home they turn on YouTube and they type in whatever they heard was cool at school and a lot of it is hip-hop
0: what I've been told about your area is that it's just like the wild wild west Like, they don't want anything to do with major record labels. Major record labels don't even really come to your town because they're not really wanted, and you guys just have a total rebel spirit.
1: Because of the artists that we are emulating, the people that I grew up listening to took that route. You have E-40, who was... Signed to major labels, but then at the minute he could, the minute he had the opportunity and his contracts had expired, he became an independent businessman, both mm-hmm. in the record label sense and he opened a Fat Burger. You know what I'm saying? And you got like Mac Dre and the whole Romper Room gang and cast that, in our eyes, legitimately had turned ill endeavors into record labels. And we were out there buying their music and supporting. And you have like artists like Cheek the Sneak on the radio who people. You know, outside of the Bay, you have no perception of But in the Bay, they're getting played on clear channel radio.
0: All right, let me ask you another predictable uh, rap question. You always got to pass a test when you're talking about rap music. So.
1: You know what? I, I try to answer them as weird as possible. All so right,
0: who's the greatest of all time? Man. You only uh, get one choice, one choice.
1: I want to just say pop. <laughs>
0: okay, you only get one choice. Pock it fine. in. <laughs> fine. I can live with that. There's nothing wrong with saying Pock. You're either 50 or 60% right if you say Pock. You see what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm at least like 45% right. You know what I mean?
0: You chose well.
1: I chose easy.
0: <laughs> you told me you were going to be all different and all that. You punked out on that one, but that's all right. That's I all right. did,
1: I did. I should have said Brother Lynch, but I said I still Pac. get
0: to call you Dirtbag. That, that, all right. That's good that's enough fine. for me. My house got raided back
4: in ninety-nine. I was outside skating doing five-o grinds. I think it's crazy the way we survived those
0: times. But maybe that's what made me so I won't lie. I got love. Dude, I wish you the best, and I hope that I can help you eliminate the middleman. So everyone go out and check out the dirtbag Dan Page. I just can't get over calling someone dirtbag
1: Hey, man, I love it. I love it. It makes people feel free to be able to call me a dirtbag all the time. People say that, too. They're like, Hey, is it all right if I call you a dirtbag? I'm like, bro, they write that on the, the stage door when I come. You know what I mean? It'll be a hotel reservation.
0: He's from San Jose, the Bay Area. I mean, it's like the Wild Wild West out there, okay? I've never been there. But that's what everyone tells me who's from there. So, you know, I get to say that, you know, okay.
1: And hey, we is like the Wild Wild West, and I definitely appreciate you helping me wrap the Kickstarter. Anybody come just check out the video. You get to hear music on the video and you get to see what we're about. And if you're feeling it, cool. If not, share it with a friend.
0: <laughs> All right, dude. Hey,
1: man, thanks a
6: lot. I
0: this way, I recall. At this time in the show, we're going to dig deep. This was an undercover assignment. It took me a long time to reach these guys, and they're not easy to find at all. They're the men in black. They're the guys from Alien Lab. And they have a game that they're putting out on Kickstarter that they're raising funds for, and it's called Geek Dice. And so right now, I'd like to welcome Agent Y and Agent X. I couldn't get their formal names because they'd erase my memory if I got any closer than that. So welcome to the show, guys.
1: Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you having us. Yes, thank you.
0: Now, did you guys really get the idea from your game, from the Big Bang Theory?
1: No, not really. I mean, that's the first time we had ever heard of Rock, Paper, Scissors, Lizard, spot. I mean, obviously on the show. But I'm kind of an old... Techno geek, so I actually had actually heard it from Sam which is the original person who added the uh, lizard spot to that equation. But what we did, instead of just playing with, you know, the gestures with our basic hand signals or, or whatever, we actually turned it into a game and Agent uh, Y and myself, we like to play a little poker here and there, and we like to do a little betting. We wanted to liven up the game a little bit, and that's how we actually came up with Geek Dice.
0: And that was you, Y, answering, right? Not X.
1: No, nope, that was X. <laughs>
0: okay. I feel like I'm going to do this the whole interview. Okay. Okay, that was X. Okay. Why do you guys believe that geeks need a game all to themselves?
1: Because really, they don't have one that they can call their own. And what better game than Geek Dice to fill that? that niche. Rock, paper, scissors, a spot. It's simple, yet there's just that geeky aspect to it that not everyone will really appreciate. So it's a fun game for everyone. It's a casual game, but it's also targeted towards geeks like us.
0: You guys are dressed in black, so you're not really that casual.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. You know, there's a ton of games out there. There's Liar's Dice, there's Pirate's Dice, there's Dice for all kinds of people. But, you know, the people who are actually buying, a lot of the the comic book collectors, a lot of the game players, they didn't have a game that was specifically tailored to them, and that's what we wanted to do. That's what we wanted to create.
0: So this is custom-made for geeks. That's right. I like that. I like that. Okay. I'm thinking geeks are pretty popular now, but you're still kind of saying that they're kind of like a breed all to themselves.
1: Scissors cuts paper,
4: paper covers rock. Rock crushes lizard, lizard poisons Spock. Big
1: big Bang has probably over 24 million followers worldwide on their Facebook account. Right. Big Bang has grown tremendously. And I'd like to personally think, because I've been a geek for a long, long time, I'd like to personally think the Big Bang concept because they actually made geeks Sexy. They also made geeks the new cool kid. Instead of being bullied and picked on, you know the Steve Jobs and the uh, Bill Gates and the um, Mark Zuckerberg's of the world are actually changing everything about what we do. They are the super geeks, I guess you could say. There's people out there picking on geeks. You know, in high school, and different schools, they'll watch out because they're going to end up working for
0: those dudes. <laughs> oh, and that's what you're teaching with this game. I understand now. It's some sort of code. The game is some sort of code language. <laughs> <laughs> it's a code. Now, how long have you been working on this game?
1: I'd say over a year now. And we brainstorm and we're just idea guys. And we have worked on several games together and this is our first one that we want to bring to market so we're excited that this is our first game we're proud of it really trying to give a high quality game we took that extra effort to actually make it something that people are going to use for years and years and and have that quality stay there
0: well i mean geeks are all about quality so you know i take that for granted and now are you x or y i'm y okay all right all right dj grandpa gets confused at times but um is there a unifying theme for all geeks? Is there something that, like, you know, is like instant atmosphere? You could be in a room full of people, and, they're you know, they're all geeks, but you say something or you pull out a special card and all of a sudden there's unification. Is there anything like that for you guys? Or maybe that's your game, I don't know.
1: When we pull that game out, that you're, you're automatically part of the club. When you're wearing the Stone of Algaroth, for instance, that tells you, Hey, you're part of the club.
0: Yeah, that's one of your rewards. I saw that. That stone. I
1: don't know if you read it on the Kickstarter side, but it's actually the source of all the knowledge in the universe. And if you actually wore that, your interviews would go flawlessly, and you would feel this unbelievable uh, increase in knowledge.
0: I need that because I'm stumbling through this interview. <laughs> so I could, I could use I, I wish you guys had sent that ahead of time. You know. <laughs> Well, thank you guys very much. We're talking to the guys from Alien Lab. They have the Geek Dice. They're about all things Trekkie, sci fi. They're my type of guys. If you want to find them, like I said, you'll have to go through me or you'll have to check out their Kickstarter page. And we'll put a link on our website so you can find those guys definitely. And if you want to go to Kickstarter, just type in Geek Dice and it'll pop up. And please contribute. I know they wouldn't give you the real names, but I think they deserve a
1: chance. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and effort. Yeah, thank you, Jay Grandpa.
0: I love Kickstarter and Skype, and people from all around the world share their life with me.
5: Whoa, sunshine. What's wrong? There is a great sunshine from the window. I don't know if you can see the window. I see the bright light, but...
0: That's the whole background of your company, so you know. <laughs>
5: exactly, <the> Sun Creature. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny with the sunlight.
0: That's true. That's how I'm always going to remember you, man.
5: <laughs> Just like that. Well, hello, I'm um, Miguel Mainz, one of the guys from Sun Creature Studio. And I'm DJ Grandpa. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh oh, I see In somebody. the background, you see, uh, it's uh, Kenneth Lelke, my co director, fellow director. Hey, dude. Um, so me and me and the, this guy Kenneth over here, right? We directed the Reward. That's the the movie we are trying to get into a, a series now, together with Bo, who directed Under the Fold, another of the graduation films from the animation workshop.
0: Graduation films. Now, when did you guys graduate?
5: We just got our diploma after our internship in January.
0: Okay. Now your company is called Sun Creature Studios. Yes. And your Kickstarter project is the reward. Tales of how do you pronounce that? Tales of Elethrian. Tales of Elethrion. I can't pronounce it, but I like it. I like. It. <laughs> it's such a fantasy name. Fantasy name. What is it derived from, actually?
5: We created the reward when me and Kenneth were sitting at a cafe and we discussed what would be the most interesting story for us to work on. Because a lot of three D short films are getting made. And usually when you make a short film and it's a student film, it's always uh, trying to be deep. And uh, at least from this school, it's it's always a little uh, tragic stories. And we just wanted action, fantasy, 2D in traditional way. So we sat together and said, what would be the best story for us to tell? And since we have been playing role play our whole lives and playing games and growing up with this kind of, you know, very, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's it must be Japanese inspired and influenced because uh, they do really wild things and uh, they don't really have any borders (laughs) some of their shows so we would try to bring that into a kind of western culture and and just make a lot of fun with uh, the characters and with um, putting contrasts up against each other so we have epic and beautiful painted backgrounds and then really Silly, too many characters.
0: Okay, so you guys were drinking at a
5: bar. Not, and... not a bar. We were at a cafe. At a cafe, actually. <laughs> Latte. Okay.
0: <laughs> High-class drinks at a, at a cafe. And then you guys have a problem with reality because you're always playing these, uh, you know, role-play games <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah.
5: You can say that. <laughs> I can say that.
0: I love your trailer. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Could you just tell me
5: a little bit about The Reward? The Reward is a short film that takes place in the land of Elythria. It's about these two boys growing up in the small village of Tohan. And they are, you know, kicking the dust and they're waiting for an adventure to come. But then suddenly a hero rides by and he grabs a lady on the back of his horse and he's being everything that a young I want to be in that age then he rides away and a map falls out of his pocket and lands in front of these two boys and then of course they get into a fight uh, to get this map but the map gets ripped in two parts so they decide to just travel out with each other on this uh, adventure towards the the x on the map and then a lot of things happen and they grow a friendship but the friendship gets tried many times because one person is very spontaneous and free in mind and the other person is very focused and structured yes so of course this uh, creates some some dilemmas then of course when they have solved their issues and problems they grow all together and <laughs> because it's a very long journey <laughs> and they become really epic uh, because of each other and then when they reach the X on the map they don't find a treasure. They just find a big X and a mirror in front of it. And when they finally see themselves reflected in the mirror, they see how epic they've become, just like the hero from their childhood. Now they realize that it was the journey that mattered and not the the reward itself. So they make the most epic high five in the world. And then when they come back to the village where they started, they see two new young boys and then they drop the map for them to have, you guys are young.
0: You guys still like throw women on the back of your horses and stuff like that.
5: Yes, we have done that. All of us three have. Uh, right now, uh, a girl on the horse, <laughs> 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 and uh, but no rings yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I believe in you guys, man. I, I like your spirit. I love the um, the symbolism that you have throughout. Like you have the sun creature type thing, and you know I'm talking to you right now, and you have blinding light in the back of you, and. <laughs>
5: What would you like to say to your backers? The animation industry is uh, something that's really hard to survive in. So uh, all the help we get here is really, really uh, something that inspires us to keep on what we're doing and, and to reach out and satisfy the people who support us. And I would just say all the backers are just uh, really uh, our friends because it means that they also have the same humor as us <laughs> and, the, and the, um, the fire for the style and the story. Magle, I
0: just wanted to say thank you to Bo and to Kenneth. Thank you for the interview.
5: High five. High five.
6: (laughs) I can write a Bible and I can make it rain. I can plant a garden on stone and I can dry a county. That's my nova king. Tell the world that I'm not coming home.
0: This is DJ Grandpa's crib. I'd like to introduce David Moss. He's a cellist from Brooklyn, New York, and he has a Kickstarter campaign going on and it's for him to record a new studio album or the studio album. Welcome to the show, sir.
1: Thank you.
0: Could you tell me about the album that you wish to record?
1: In about 2005, I started writing songs. I went to a folk festival in Texas called the Kerrville Folk Festival, and uh, it just got me inspired to write some songs, and then I started writing, and I kind of just did a little recording of about 11 of the songs that I had written, and two of them went on to win the new folk competition, it's a pretty prestigious songwriting competition at that festival. And then uh, I just started, you know, touring and playing shows, and it's not now I'm Moved up to Brooklyn, and I, I'm i going to do an album with some people that I was on tour with who played with Emmaus Mitchell in her album called Hades Town. So I was on tour with them, and they're going to be my musicians on this album.
0: Are you a classically trained musician since you played the cello?
1: Classically trained. I've played since I was eight.
0: How old are you now, sir? I'm 30. Oh, okay. I, I think you got enough practice <laughs> in
1: there.
6: She stood and laughed at the sun saying good lord the sky is rusted over again what to do what to do with our day
0: i see on your kickstarter page you talk about how you're putting together some of the greatest musical minds you've ever known in your life in the hills of vermont to record this album who might some of those people be
1: the man that's producing it his name is michael chorney there's a girl named Anais Mitchell, and she did this amazing album that is a folk opera. And Michael did all the arrangements for the stage production and the musical production of it. Right. And he's one of the greatest musical minds I've ever met in my life. And then the rhythm section is going to be a guy named Robinson Morse, and the drummer is named Gaza Carr, and they are just two of the greatest bass and drummers I've ever I've ever met.
0: Who are your influences?
1: I've been listening to a lot of Tom Waits. His writing is just amazing to me. There's a guy named Gregory Allen Isakoff, who I've been listening a lot to. And then there's just, you know, the classic ones like John Prine and Tom Van Zandt. And right. I had a lot of influence by a lot of the Texas royalty, I guess you could say, the songwriter royalty.
0: Could you describe to me some of the songs that are going to be on this album?
1: I kind of went through a breakup, so there's a few breakup songs and I deal with universal theme, how we all hold a lot of value in life and death and love and how it relates to everyday experience and nature and that sort of thing.
6: Take it easy on me Oh, there's a cold wind howling Take me where you please I am all those leaves Coming down down The reason I got into songwriting is because words are just
1: as effective and imagery and and that sort of thing are in a big way much different than the music.
0: Has anyone ever told you how special your music is to them?
1: An acquaintance of mine, she'd never heard my music before and she checked it out and she said that she hadn't painted in four years and she put the album on and immediately just started painting and she's been listening to a couple songs on it that really have inspired her and she's been painting for like four days now non-stop with my album on repeat Wow! my last album somebody emailed me and they said that it helped them through a breakup and I've there's been a couple times I've made people cry and that was pretty special
0: you made people cry that sounds (laughs) true
1: oh I don't think it was that kind of crying (laughs) oh okay (laughs) okay just (laughs) checking
0: yeah well what do you have to say to those who backed you on Kickstarter
1: first of all thank you and second of all There's a lot of things that go into this process, and without them this wouldn't be possible. Yes. And I hope they enjoy all the rewards, because I think they're great.
0: David Moss, I wish you the best on your Kickstarter. Thank you very much for the interview,
6: sir. Alright, my friend. Thank you. There ain't nothing you can do When I land upon your leaves But make them fall And they fell like a feather From a wing Yet I fell just like water from a spring. How are
0: you, Jacob?
4: Great, how are you?
0: Okay, DJ Grandpa here.
4: I'm with uh, Adam Morrow, who's also producing the film.
0: Hi, DJ Grandpa. Thanks for the invite to the show. Wow, both of you. You know this is a crowded elevator, don't you? It's a private elevator. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try to mind our P's
4: and Q's. You know, I
0: don't, li- I don't like surprises. It's a private elevator.
4: Oh, Okay.
6: I can leave if you'd rather.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. You're in here now. Let me push the button. (laughs) Welcome back to the show. This is DJ Grandpa's favorite part of the show coming up. It's called The Elevator Pitch. And today, I have Jacob and Adam. And they have a film documentary on Kickstarter about painting the way to the moon. And I don't really understand it, so... I'm a little confused, a little ambiguous. So I would like to say welcome to you two gentlemen.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite to the show.
0: Do you guys understand? Was that an alien or something? Oh, that's
6: my dog. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) All right. We might have to keep him on. But what I wanted to say is, do you two gentlemen know what an elevator pitch is? You should since you're in the film industry.
4: Oh, yeah. We know. We know the elevator pitch.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay, for those listeners who don't know, I'm a guy in a suit. I'm one of those money guys. I'm walking towards the elevator. And you know those type of money guys, they really don't have time for other people, i.e., you know, I'm not saying the Kickstarter community is like that, but let's say the Kickstarter community, I represent them because I'm the guy with the money and they have the money that you want from people. We get in the elevator. I'm going to floor number seven. All of a sudden, before I can close the elevator, these two gentlemen bogart in the door. (laughs) Why do you two gentlemen deserve the money?
4: A few years ago, I got a call from this really strange dude named ed belbruno and the first thing he said to me before even introducing himself was i have the greatest secret in the history of humanity wow so if that's not a good way to open start a conversation i don't know what is right (laughs) needless to say it certainly piqued jacob's interest (laughs) right so as it turns out this guy ed he's a nasa scientist He got his PhD from NYU in something called celestial mechanics, and he's also a painter. And so he decided one day uh, while he was working at NASA that the way we send people and satellites to space isn't good enough. So he thought that he could use chaos theory to send satellites, spacecraft into space without using tons of fuel the way that we normally do it. Right. But the way that he did it was through art, so he started, you know, going on a painting frenzy, using inspiration of Vincent Van Gogh. And so, as it happens, you know, one of the paintings that Ed did, he actually traced the orbit that a satellite would take, you know, using this chaotic pathway where you don't need to use that much rocket fuel or almost any at all. This completely changed the way we do space travel, and. At the time, in the 80s, everyone thought he was crazy. I mean, I thought he was crazy when he called me up. I almost hung up on him. He is crazy. He's tapped into something very deep and exciting. You know, we think that this is a story that, you know, people who like science but are afraid of it, they could relate to this story, or educators could
0: relate to this story. It seems as though you're talking about some sort of ballistic trajectory, way of slingshotting you know, man-made orbital platforms to different places throughout our solar system. So if I understand you correctly on that, that does sound pretty intriguing, and it would be a way to save fuel. So I'm starting to understand your idea now, unless you tell me I'm straight up wrong in what I just said. No, no,
6: I think that's correct. I think you're very much correct.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to argue with you. we <laughs> are <laughs> not going to. Well, I, I'm the guy in the elevator. You should never argue with the guy in the That's elevator. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not saying this is a crazy idea anymore. I'm like, man, wow, this is cool. I think the Kickstarter community should take a glance at this project. So I think you guys have done a great job on the elevator pitch. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to get off at this floor. It was nice meeting you, gentlemen. And uh, I'll talk to the board and and let them know.
1: Well, thank you very much.
4: Thank you and we'll we'll let you out of the elevator now.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of claustrophobic. You should never trap a guy like me in a small space. I might have to let security know about you guys. But, <laughs> but you know, I'd like to say thank you to Jacob and Adam <laughs> for letting me know as much information as I could stand about painting the way to the moon which seems to be a brilliant film and you should check out the cinematography of it it is beautiful and there's a nutty professor and a kind of crazy guy but his theories have been proven sound and that's what counts so thanks for coming on the crypt thank, thank you. you so much thank you i'd like to thank all our guests this week and a special thanks goes out to trevor williams for contributing the theme song to DJ Grandpa's Crib. I'd also like to welcome Theron Kennedy to the DJ Grandpa team. He signed on as Director of Marketing so that the projects we feature can reach more people. Until next week,
2: so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. DJ Grandpa's Crip, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus.